I've been directly involved in the launch of over a dozen multi-site campuses through the churches I've led, and half of them have been in movie theaters. I'm convinced that every church leader should consider using a theater for your next campus or church plant. They're flexible, culturally relevant locations, typically in the center of the community that you're trying to reach. Regal is the only theater company with a dedicated team of full-time consultants ready to help your church launch and succeed in a movie theater. Check out Regal Theater church.com for more information on locations your church could use this is the unseminary podcast stuff you wish they taught in seminary welcome to the unseminary podcast are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further faster have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world hey you're not alone join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary buckle up and let's get started with this week's unseminary podcast well hey everybody welcome to the unseminary podcast my name's rich uh the host around these parts i'm so glad that you've decided to uh join us today uh we like to bring on guests on a regular basis to help us think through some of those issues that are impacting your church and today uh you've got a two-for-one special which is uh should be a fun uh, uh day today we've got leaders from the crossing this is a fantastic church uh, with actually, I believe you have 10 locations across the Midwest in four different states. Is that true? That's true. Uh, wow, that's uh, that's amazing. So uh, this is a fantastic church. If you if you haven't plugged in and, and learned more about The Crossing, uh, you really should. So why don't we, uh, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Uh, and uh, why don't we jump through, tell us about your role, tell us about the church, give us a flavor for what's going on at The Crossing. Okay, my name is Clayton Hensel. Uh, I've been a part of the church for... 10, 11, or 12 years, basically, as soon as I graduated from Bible college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a youth pastor, and then they were getting ready to start their first multi-site, and all the people that they wanted said no. <laughs> and so they had a, they said, well, hey, we could send Clayton. And nice. uh, I, I said yes, and came up here and started this location, which is in Macomb, uh town of about 12,000 people with about 8,000 college kids and been doing that here and then over time uh, started helping to oversee our other locations while uh, still at this location but then um, by the grace of God uh, we got lucky as all get out and we found uh, a guy who's now uh great friend and uh, partner in ministry, Mr. Ben Elifritz, and I'm going to let you hear a little bit about him. Yeah, like I said, I'm uh, I'm Ben Elifritz, and uh, I, I've always been a part of the crossing. I, I've kind of had a different journey to get where we're at. I was actually uh, an elder at, at a church that uh, now is a crossing location, so I've grown up with uh, guys like Clayton and and some of the other guys that are working in the crossing, and so it was a it was a transition from being a being an, an elder at a church that, that was acquired by the crossing to uh, being a high caliber volunteer while I was a principal in schools for a decade, and mm-hmm. now uh, being on staff and and uh, being a part of a great team here at the crossing and specifically in the Macomb location. Nice, very cool. Why don't you give us a flavor, Ben, of kind of the ministry of the crossing? If people were to come this weekend, what would they experience? What's the church like? Well, there's a few things that are just embedded in our DNA here at the crossing. One of the things you'll hear from the second you get in is that we exist to help people find an intimate personal relationship with Jesus. And that is just what what where what our foundation looks like and what we build upon. And I think that's what sets the crossing apart from a lot of other churches is that is our goal. 
It's not about showing up on Sunday. It's not about coming to a building. It's literally about helping people find that relationship. And so with that uh, com comes parts of ministry that become interesting because when you open your doors to anybody and everybody, you have to be careful what you ask for. I mean, it's, <laughs> there's some work that goes into that, but right. no greater reward than, than, than goes into that. So just seeing the crossing as a whole, I mean, people that drive miles just to be part of our church and being spread out like we are, uh, it, we definitely have an opportunity to, to have a great impact on the Midwest just because because of uh, the crossing brand and helping people find that relationship that changes their life forever. Hmm, very cool. Well, Clayton, you know, raising up leaders I, must be a, a real issue in a church like The Crossing. You know, as you've multiplied new campuses, you know, even as your campus has grown, um, you know, that's that's got to be a complex, you know, piece of what you're, you know, you're you're dealing with. Can you give us a sense of kind of how do you think about raising up and then releasing leaders uh, at The Crossing? Well, uh What's kind of happened at the crossing is is we do mega church ministry in miniature towns. Mm. So we don't have um, there's we have like if we're lucky a Walmart in the town that we're putting a location in. So for us to go out and uh, hire uh, people and get them to move to where we do ministry is basically impossible. <laughs> Uh, there's no chilies in any of our locations. There's no Chick-fil-A in any mm. of our locations. There's no Target in any of our locations. We are, we are in cornfields. Mm. And so um, a long time ago, we, we got connected with a church out in Post Falls, Idaho, um, called Real Life Ministries. And he was mm. talking about the difference between a, a high school coach and a football coach or in a, in a college coach. And a high school coach has to win with the players in his community. Mm. Uh, a college coach gets to recruit people from all over the, the, the states. And then, of course, the NFL, they get to pick who they want and pay them exorbitant amounts of money. Right. But a high school uh, championship team is, is bred. Mm. They are developed. Mm -hmm. And we started looking around and going, well, why don't we do the exact same thing? Mm -hmm. That's a great it's, distinction. I, that's a great word picture just to kind of pull apart in people's brains the difference between a high school coach and a college coach. I appreciate that. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. No, you're fine. So we just uh, – we began to double down. If we realized that um, as times moved on that money was not going to be our biggest challenge, although because we do ministry at such – we do ministry at a very effective rate, but uh, we're able to get buildings for almost nothing now. We're, right. A lot of those things have moved. The hurdle was – Who's going to be the person? Mm -hmm. We could take a town for Jesus if we had a team. Mm -hmm. And the way we have to do that, though, is you have to have a pipeline, and that pipeline has to be so unbelievably packed full of people so that way it can keep up with the vision and keep up with the opportunities. And so um, specifically here at the Macomb campus, but a lot of our other locations do a great job of this, uh, I wouldn't say we doubled down. We quadrupled down <laughs> in the area of of raising people up. And that was kind of forced because uh, we re came to grips with the fact that I'm not going to be the pastor in Macomb a uh, hundred years from now. Mm. I Somebody else will take my spot. So why don't I start raising up somebody now? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's what that's kind of how it started for us. Yeah, absolutely. I love, uh, Van, uh, P, um, you know, Vanderblumen says every 
uh, every pastor is, every pastorate is an interim position. You know, we all received this ministry from someone else and we're going to pass it on to someone else. Even if it's an interim ministry for 20, 30 years, it's still interim. Someone else is going to take this ball and run with it. And we've got to, you know, really develop a plan for that. Maybe Ben, you could kind of talk about what has that looked like practically at, um, you know, your campus? How have you began to kind of develop a plan around, you know, raising up leaders? Uh, one of the things that we found is that too many times adults decide what other adults can and can't do. We, we answer, are you willing to step up and serve? Are you willing to step up and be a leader or be a team member before we ever give them the opportunity? So we don't even ask them. We, mm. we, we just assume the answer is going to be no. Mm. So, so we've, had to, we've had to actually force that in a lot of issues. Every single time I, uh, that, that my, the staff here turns in a ministry report, the last question on that is if you had to turn the keys over today, who are you turning those keys over to? So oh, it never good. leaves it never leaves their mind. And that's the last thing on every single ministry report that goes to our elders that says, if I had to do that, who am I who am I gonna do that with? We've also set up you know, opportunities to, to make sure that you're not the on staff, that you're not the 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 person that's doing all the work. Who who are you walking alongside you? Who are you making sure that you're coaching in that? Everything from almost having to force Sundays where we don't uh, we don't have any staff that are doing any of the roles. We have staff that are managing the systems that that make the roles go. So we really wanted to put out in front of people all the time that you need to be replacing yourself every day. And in fact, if you're not, you're actually putting a lid on the ministry that we can do here. Mm, that's very good. I don't want people to miss that. I love even just that one question of if you had to hand the keys over, who would you hand it over? I think there's a lot of church leaders that are listening today that are thinking, I'm not sure how I'd answer that for my position. I'm just, I just don't know what that, you know, who that is. You know, Clayton, uh, even, you know, pushing some of that, I would imagine that even in myself now, that raises some internal questions that maybe raises a bit of, um, you know, pain in my life around, gosh, I'm not sure I want to hand over what, what I'm doing. I kind of find a bit of, you know, comfort in, in what I'm leading. Is just everybody at the crossing, they're just all benevolent people that want to raise up other folks around them? <laughs> No, no. Uh, we're talking about a culture change, and culture change isn't isn't fast, and it's never easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Rick Warren uh, or uh, Don Wilson said, "There's no growth without change, no change without loss, no loss without pain." Mm-hmm. So we've kind of embraced the hurt um, that comes with this. I don't, this is something your podcast people probably should know. Uh, I'm 33, mm-hmm. Ben's 36, mm-hmm. and we are in a constant. Uh, state of working on who's going to replace us. Mm-hmm. This We're not having this conversation at, at 50. Mm-hmm. We're not having this conversation at 45. We're having this in our 30s because we believe in it. And mm-hmm. um, we've seen some crazy things happen because of it. And, and uh, maybe we'll get back to it later about our volunteer weekend. But people are always being asked to do something. Salvation Army is asking people to do something. There's always a not-for-profit. There's a bell to be rung. There's People are always being asked. The question is, do you believe that what you do is the most good, has the most uh, effect for the advancement of the kingdom of God? And if so, and you believe in that, don't you think that other people would want an opportunity to make their life matter? There are people who are putting handles on buckets all day long. And at the end of the day, they when they go home from work, they don't feel like they made the world a better place or that they made a difference in a person's life. We have that outlet mm. by being ambassadors for, for Christ. We have an opportunity to be world changers, changers, even if it's only at a local level, because you're changing somebody's world. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to we want to capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. 
And for people to see that your value at this church is now not in what you can do, but in how many people you can raise up. Mm. Because you will do infinitely more ministry through people than you will ever do by yourself. Mm, so true. You know, I think one of the things I love that you're hitting on, which is a is a shift for church leaders that are wanting to make an impact in their in their community. And it's really a two-part. I just want to kind of pull it apart a little bit for folks. I think sometimes we we pull back from asking people to volunteer. We say no for them. Um, we in even in the way we ask them, we diminish what we what what they're going to do, and ultimately what that does is diminish the impact that they're going to have, and diminishes the growth that's going to happen in their lives. We don't need people to serve in our ministry. People need to serve in our ministry for their own growth, um, for their own uh, development. Do you have a story? Either of you have a story of a an individual in your church who you've seen that they've through, you know, they may have, like you say, they're putting, you know, handles on buckets all day long, uh, but they, you know, really come to life in your ministry. They've really become, you know, really who God's called them to be through your ministry. So, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you one. Uh, we have a guy who, uh, he's a trash man mm -hmm. and uh, he's, he's, he's rough around the edges. He's, he's a riot, um, but he's at three services a weekend um, as a part of our security team and mm -hmm. wouldn't miss it. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a guy who's a, a, a banker by day mm -hmm. and he can't wait for an opportunity to teach a belong class or uh, just this week he shared his testimony about tithing mm -hmm. that people fi are finding their significance and their place not just in the spiritual world but in this world. Uh, we've got another banker friend who's our age who uh, leads worship for us on a, I mean, a pretty regularly regular basis um, and stepped up as our interim worship guy during uh, a time when we were we had just actually sent a worship leader from our location out to go mm. start a new location and we were going to backfill with a worship leader here and during a uh, we went six months without a worship person hmm. uh, and it was all volunteer we had a staff member help out but it was all volunteer and that gives you incredible strength as an organization to have people that committed that you don't have to be paying out all the time to be able to accomplish great ministry. Very cool. Now, I think there's a lot of leaders, maybe senior leaders who are listening in today who are like, yes, 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 I want to get my people to release their people, but I just can't, it just isn't working for whatever reason. We talk about it, it's in our heads, uh, but you guys have been able to actually operationalize it. It's been actually working. Um, what what did you do? Was there any kind of kind of point in time, maybe Ben, where you know things actually flipped or, or it was like it went from like, that's an interesting idea to actually getting something done? I think that the thing that, that we did, and this was, this was Clayton, he, we had talked about for months, we're going to have a weekend. We called it our Difference Maker Weekend, where we wanted no staff. We wanted staff to be attendees at church watching from a 30,000-foot altitude to where we could figure out what was going on. <laughs> and so finally, after talking about it, Clayton said, the weekend of December 6th, I think it was this past year, we're going to have a Difference Maker Weekend, and I don't want to see any staff person. And you went from people that thought, oh, that's a great idea to almost, oh, my gosh, we have a date. I've got to get people prepared. But it wasn't until we actually put a date on the calendar and we said, you need to start preparing your people because there's going to be three straight services where not one person on staff is going to be on stage teaching a children's ministry, leading our junior high fuse ministry. Nobody's going to be greeting at the door, nothing. We're going to literally be able to go to breakfast and show up to church and watch it happen. 
Okay, wait a second here. This crazy. You're talking crazy talk, Clayton. Where did you come up with this idea? Tell us about a bit of the impact. And there's got to be some pain associated with this somewhere. Well, first of all, it's one of those things where you finally say that this is what we're going to do. And then you start to go, uh, this is, you get nervous. Mm -hmm. You get unbelievably nervous. Mm -hmm. And we were. Uh, mm -hmm. I was pretty uh, prideful on the front end going, hey, yeah, this is going to be great. When we got closer to it, I was going, this could be a disaster. Right. But um, here's what I remember. I grew up in a small church. And uh, the only person who was on staff at that church uh, was the senior pastor. Mm -hmm. And everything else that happened in that tiny little church was managed by people who were committed to it. I had a, uh, a, a Sunday school teacher who led my Sunday school class every single week. Hmm. And they didn't throw have a parade for her. They didn't have parties for her. It was, she, you love Jesus? Okay, then someone needs to teach these kids. And as our church has grown, it just becomes easy for staff to go, I'm just going to do it myself. Right. And But what they don't realize is that puts a lid on future growth because hmm. I want everybody on staff here to get sent out to go launch another location and I can backfill with the people that they've raised up at this location. Hmm. And we've done that with two locations. Um, we sent three people from our staff to start a location 45 uh, minutes away. And then we sent uh, our worship leader and his wife all the way to start a location six hours away. Hmm. But when we put the date on the calendar, it got real for everybody because they knew, I mean, <laughs> We're a satellite location, so there's, I mean, uh, you've got to take a feed. Mm -hmm. uh, someone's got to land the plane and do the invitation at the end. Uh, leading worship, sign people in, uh, security, opening the doors, locking the doors after. I mean, we literally, you had staff were not allowed to do anything. Mm -hmm. You couldn't fix the problem. If our feed went down, a volunteer had to preach the sermon. That's not a manuscript sermon. There's nothing to read. You gotta you got to handle it. Right. Love and it. it forced everybody to really evaluate who they're investing in, how committed are the people that they're investing in, how well have they trained them, and it went incredible. Hmm, very in cool. fact, people in church that Sunday were kind of looking around, kind of going, What are we paying you people for? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and that's exactly right. Well, then at the very end, one of our difference makers got up and he said, uh, I want you to know this whole weekend was brought to you by us. Mm. We're, we're the crossing church. And this our whole staff could have been off launching another location someplace else because we've got this. Mm. And the church went nuts clapping and they embraced what it was. I think there's a part that I want to I want to show how valuable I am to my congregation so they appreciate me so I always have to be the one doing all the stuff this is the exact opposite mm -hmm. my the bible teaches this over and over again our job is to equip people for acts of service you cannot equip somebody if you are in their way mm -hmm. and so we just stepped all the way out very and we're cool. going to do it again oh you are nice you're going to repeat oh, it i want this to be we want this to become culture mm. i would love for us to on a regular basis maybe three or four times a year, turn it over to all of our people. Mm, very cool. um, I mean, you can get crazy with this. What if in a year, the people that we turn it over to are expected to turn it over to somebody else? Right. And cool. uh, 
leadership pipeline is the number one thing that limits churches, especially multi-site churches. Mm-hmm. Is you got to have people, people, mm-hmm. people, people. Absolutely. And uh, we are officially doing that. It. We still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Listen, we are not the proof text. But I mean, as far as uh, large churches, I feel like we may have been one of the first large churches to ever turn the whole weekend over. Mm-hmm. And it went better than we ever could have anticipated. Yeah, that's very cool. I love that. Brian Tomes Church in uh, Cincinnati uh, called Crossroads did a similar thing years ago. Now they did it once <laughs> where they um, they had no, they actually, they, it was a pretty ingenious, similar idea, just kind of fleshing out to give uh, listeners a different idea. Um, what they did was they invited all their volunteers. They said, hey, we're having a party for you on this upcoming Sunday. And they invited them, but they said, we need you to come to this different location. And people arrived at the church and there were no volunteers there. Now they kind of went from a, like, almost like exact opposite. It was like this punitive thing. Oh, not punitive, but just a demonstration. Look at what would happen if there were no volunteers here. There was nobody in the parking lot, uh, you know, parking cars. There was nobody standing at doors. There was nobody in the kids' environment. There was no band. There was no uh, lighting video. They had one light on, and Brian Tome was standing on stage and preached this great message around. He said, listen, there's nothing going on here without volunteers. If you're not plugged in as a volunteer, you're literally, we can't do this mission without you. At the same time, they were through a party, a volunteer appreciation party that same Sunday morning at an offsite location uh, to thank their people. Kind of the inverse, when I heard what you guys did, it was kind of the inverse of what you did. But I just love it. I think that's such a great uh, tool and real practical uh, push for staff. And I know when I heard that from my church, I'm like, I don't know we could do it, but I love it. I love the motivation, uh, you know, from that. That's fantastic. Anything you else you want to share uh, before we jump into the rest of the episode? I think the other thing that, that I would tell you since that, since that Sunday, just some things that have happened. Uh, we, we have our, our tech director now that he's got over 50% of his uh, volunteers that are cross-trained to be able to do multiple jobs within the tech ministry. And he was probably a guy that gave us the most pushback on this whole idea that he couldn't let go of the soundboard. He couldn't let go of the switcher or the cameras or whatever. And he's probably our biggest cheerleader in that now from the standpoint of he, he's living it. I mean, you go back in our children's ministry and you don't see our children's minister the one is the one delivering the message every week. It, it is literally kind of turned a light bulb on for people to give ministry away. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Well, we're going to jump into the lightning round, that part of the episode where we ask similar questions of everybody that's on the, the episode. Today's going to be uh, just a great, uh, has been a great conversation uh, with the you know with Ben and Clayton from The Crossing. It's been a fantastic interview. I really appreciate your guys being on the show. What's an online resource? I'm not sure who wants to answer these, so I'll just leave it up to you. Uh, what's an online resource uh, that you're using these days that's helping you out well uh, as our church gets bigger sometimes it can get more complicated and it's hard to keep everything going and uh, I'm a to-do list guy mm-hmm. so I bought a premium account for any do nice or any dot do or whatever it is mm-hmm. and uh, I put several staff people on that and I I swear by it right. because at any moment in time I know what's going on I can handle it uh, I don't forget anything someone told me a long time ago that uh, amateurs just remember and professionals write it down. Mm, so true. And uh, so as far as uh, anybody who's managing multiple ministries or overseeing multiple people and you don't want to be the bottleneck, you want things to flow uh, through you as fast as they come to you, um, that's been the tool that's probably helped me a bunch in the last 18 months as a leader. 
Very cool. Um, what's a uh, book that you're, um, you know, you've read in the last, I don't know, six months to a year that's uh, shaping your ministry? Maybe Ben. Yeah, one of the things that, that we live by here is good to great as mm. far as the, oh, yeah. the Fantastic. different things that are in that. And we are actually, uh, we, Clayton and I both read it multiple times. We're working through our entire staff to try to up their game in the leadership. And so for me, that's a, that's a book that if there's a leadership manual that has been embedded in the leadership DNA of our church, that's what it is. Just, you know, talking about getting the right people on the bus and that mm-hmm. once you do, you don't have to manage the people. You just get to manage the systems. And it kind of plays into what we're talking about here, giving things away. When you got the right people on the bus, you can do that. Very cool. Uh, Clayton, if you could get 15 minutes with any leader alive today, who would that be and why? Oh, that would be uh, Mr. Rick Warren. Nice. Uh, Hawaiian shirts and all? Uh, I would, anything he had, I would be okay with it. <laughs> uh, I, he's just been a guy, you know, when I was going to Bible college, um, I read Purpose Driven Church mm-hmm. and uh, I read Purpose Driven Life and of all the people, he seems to still be smiling mm-hmm. after the challenges of growing a relatively large uh, church, mm-hmm. and uh, he seems to manage that well. Mm-hmm. And so, if I could, yeah, if I could, if I could sit on a back porch and uh, sip on some sweet tea with anybody, mm-hmm. it would be it would be Mr. Rick Warren. Nice, that's fantastic. What a great leader! Obviously, had huge impact, and he's one of those leaders. I would agree. You talk about smiling. He's one of a lot. Oftentimes, we hear of leaders who have some sort of burnout. They maybe it's not like a, you know, like a failure or something like that, but he has seemed to be, have consistent, you know, gro- you know, growth and impact. Hasn't had any, you know, moral failure, but also hasn't had the like, oh my goodness, my life is so crazy. I I'm totally burnt out. Um, which a lot of times we celebrate when people do and they come back, but he never did, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, very cool. Now I know leading uh, you know, leading a growing multi-site church is a lot, growing a camp a growing campus is a lot. Um, what do you do to just kick back uh, and have fun? Well, uh one, I'm I'm sitting next to one of my best friends and uh every Thursday evening after we get done with our Thursday night church, his wife and my wife and us sit down and we just hang out until Oh, I don't know, 11, 11.30 at night, and that's every Thursday. Um, we spend a lot of time on relationships that fill you up because mm-hmm. there's plenty of relationships that, as pastors, we're constantly pouring out. Mm-hmm. But having uh, friends that uplift you, encourage you, push you, make you feel better. And uh, so outside of hanging out with, with our with family, um, ha- having really, really solid friendship investments has been a is what we like to do. Nice. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you both being on the the episode today, Clayton and Ben. Appreciate that. If people want to get in touch with The Crossing or with you, how can they do that? Uh, Our website is thecrossing.net. And um, there's a staff page on there if you wanted to talk to Ben or myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ben's way smarter than I am, but I'd love, you know, if you're just wanting to placate somebody, you can send me an email. But Ben's the (laughs) genius around here. Nice. but yeah, our website's probably the easiest way. Ben and I both have uh, Twitter handles, but I, for the life of me, can't remember what it is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. We'll, we'll find okay. it and link to it there. I appreciate you being on the show today, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for you know, doing a great job at your church, and thanks for being here today. Hey, thanks for having Thank us. You. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter.
at Rich Birch or through email, rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.